get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. And welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler on the heels of a Cardinal victory over the Pirates last night. The Blues playing tonight. Should be a great morning in St. Louis. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you today? Everything's terrific. I'm, I'm happy that Nolan Arenado is a Cardinal. I wrote this out last night when I was taking notes watching the game. He is better than advertised, which is hard to do because the advertisements were very strong. And I cannot believe that Colorado messed this up so badly with him. If you're Jeff Breidich, who I know is out of a job, how? I just cannot fathom how, and I say that with all due respect, you messed this up so monumentally. He is a once-in-a-generation player. He is, in a lot of ways, the heart and soul of a team that he just joined. He's got an incredible intensity. He's great with the media. He's great with the fans. There's not one negative to this guy, and I cannot believe they let him walk away. All he wants to do is win. That was the disagreement that they had is that he signed with the with the promise that they would try to build around him to win and then they didn't but if you're not going to build around him you're not going to build around anyone that's exactly right (laughs) it's unbelievable to me and i know st louis is reaping the benefits of that mess but every time i watch him play i think about how lucky we are to watch him night in and night out and how if i was a fan in colorado i would be seething that's why they don't have many fans in colorado i don't blame them And I'll tell you this, I thought, you mentioned better than expected, I figured that he would, out of the altitude, be a 20 to 30 home run guy. The Cardinals have now played 42 games, and he is on pace for 40 home runs as a member of the Cardinals. Homered in four straight games, and he he crushed some of those balls, too. Cardinals with a 5-2 win last night, and Arenado is the guy that got things started. I said to him exactly what you just said to me. Arenado with a drive. He is pretty good, and the Cardinals were able to build upon that lead and roll to a 5-2 victory. And we had the discussion yesterday, Michelle, as to whether or not this would be the last start for John Gant, because we figured, well, John Gant's going to walk a bunch of guys. Sure, he's going to (laughs) pitch well, but he's going to walk a bunch of guys. Last night, 81 pitches. He gives you five and a third. He only walks one, strikes out three in allowing two runs, and he was really good. He is deserving of another start. He is. He had a great effort last night, as you mentioned, throwing strikes, getting ahead, and that's an outing that not only he needed, but the Cardinals needed, too, after coming off of the weekend sweep um, by the hands of the Padres. So I just thought it was a great effort all around by John Gant. And another player where you say, how good is he? is Tommy Edmond, three mm-hmm. for five last night with a couple of RBIs, the batting average at 274, the on-base at 328, which you'd like to have a little bit higher for a leadoff hitter. But he is the table setter, and he makes things happen. I think a lot of people were bummed out when Colton Wong, it was revealed that he wasn't coming back to St. Louis, not only because he's a fan favorite, but because of the defense and what he's meant to St. Louis for a long time. And 
this is a, we're going to tip our cap to Mo and the front office move because clearly they knew what they were doing and letting Cole Wong and that contract go and letting Tommy Edmond assume that role. He's been unbelievable for the team. And tonight, the Cardinals back at it. 645, Trevor Cahill will go for the Buccos. He's 1-4 and four with a 5.97. And Jack Flaherty will go for the Cardinals. He is 7-0 and this season looking for win number 8 against the Pirates. Let's go. Let's do it. You know what I forgot to do? Michelle? I was just guess for what that. day it is, huh? Pump day. So uh, what happened was right when we started playing the music to open the show. I don't know if you noticed, but I started rubbing my eyes. My eyes started itching, and I forgot everything. I just I got to get my eyes straightened out here. Yeah, that but was more important. It was. So that's why we didn't play. Guess what day it is, huh? Pump day. Oh, there we go. It's hump day. It's hump day, and it's Blues playoff hockey day. It is, and let's see if we can stay up again tonight. 9.30 face-off, 8.30 pregame here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario will have the pregame, and then Curbs and Joey with the call at 9.30 as the Blues try to even the series at a game apiece. At some point, obviously, because the Blues don't have home ice, they're going to have to get a road game. Why not do it tonight, Craig Berube? Um, again, you know, we got to make plays and, and, and want the puck and, and advance at 200 feet and, and, and get put pucks into areas in, in the offensive zone where we can get them back and, and forecheck. And, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't there for 60 minutes. You know, I thought our second period, we were coming. We were pretty good in that period. I thought that was a pretty good period for us. But, you know, the third period, we get scored on right away. The first shift really killed our momentum, I thought, a little, you know, and we we're kind of on our heels that period. We didn't really. We didn't really, um, you know, battle back in that period. Um, we didn't get enough good, good looks or opportunities. Michelle is wearing her Play Gloria T-shirt today, so Confirmed. she's feeling pretty good about tonight. I, I hope the Blues can get off to a good start because I'm not feeling great about tonight. I thought the Blues got off to a pretty good start in Game One. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. You don't have to be negative on Wednesday, but I just think that it's going to be an uphill battle. And Chief is right. They have to put mm-hmm. in a full effort for the entire game. Jordan Bennington is going to have to replicate the effort that you got from him on Monday night, which seems unfair. But in order for them to win, that's going to happen. And someone is going to have to take over. Someone on this yep. Blues team is going to have to do essentially what we saw Ryan O'Reilly do earlier in the season against Colorado when they were in a two-goal deficit. And he just snapped and picked up the team and carried them to victory. And you can't get into a two-goal deficit with as limited as scoring is in the playoffs. And we saw it in 2019. It seemed like whenever the Blues scored first, they won. Whenever they didn't score first, they lost. And they, they allow the goal the other night. And they're down one nothing early. If Biddington is going to have a chance to steal a game for you, he's going to have to have the lead at some point. And that's where the Blues got hurt. And hopefully they'll be able to do what they need to do tonight, get some early energy and get a lead. Just stay out of the box, too. Stay out of that'd, the box. That would help. Yeah. Come on. Can't allow an early power play. The Golden Knights even things up with Minnesota last night. They win 3-1, to so that series even at a game apiece. The Lightning now lead Tampa, or lead Florida by uh, 3-1, to and that series is 2-0 in favor of uh, John Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning over Florida. The Penguins, 2-1 winners over the Islanders, so that series tied at a game apiece. And Michelle... The Canadian teams are still playing the regular season. They haven't started the playoffs yet. So last night, the Canucks beat the Flames 4-2 because the Canucks had the huge COVID situation. So in Canada, they're still doing the regular season. In the United States of America, we're still doing the, we're, we've are still we started the playoffs already. Imagine being uh, in Canada 
and watching the playoffs while you're still yeah. playing the regular yeah, season. Yeah, and tonight will be the last game of their regular season, and then they'll start the playoffs in two days. Or maybe tomorrow. I guess tomorrow, yeah, for Canada. Bizarre. Yeah, it's a little bit different, isn't it? NBA playoff. How about Justin Tatum? Jason Tatum last night. Justin is the coach and his dad. Uh, Jason last night with 50. 50 for the Celtics, and they just hammered the Wizards 118 to 100. And after the game, Bradley Beal said, hey, he was unstoppable. Nobody was going to stop him tonight. He is so good. Jason Tatum is so good. He is so fun to watch. He's electric. And if we're going to cheer for anyone in St. Louis, since we don't have an NBA team, obviously we cheer for the local product. He's a pretty good one to cheer for. He's a pretty good guy to cheer for. And there were questions as to whether or not he'd be able to go. Beal with 22, 9, and 6. And the other game last night, the Hornets... Uh, actually, I think the Pacers hammered the Hornets 144 to 117. It was never really a game. Indiana led the whole way. So Indiana now will play the Wizards for the chance to be the last playoff team in the Eastern Conference of the NBA. And that game is Thursday on TNT, 7 o'clock. Wizards playing. The Pacers won that game, right? Let me double check here I, because they were up by 30 they did. in the they, first half. They won 144-117. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the Pacers are going to play the Hornets tomorrow at 7 on TNT. And then Spurs and Memphis on ESPN, they'll get underway as well. Uh, Michelle, we're going to talk about this later, but it's interesting. Tony Larusa having a kerfuffle with one of his players because your mean Mercedes swung on a 3-0 pitch. And it's really caused consternation about the unwritten rules of baseball. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about this. People in Chicago, as you can imagine, not Mm. pleased with Tony La Russa. But that's to be expected. I think a lot of people in Chicago already had this built-in notion of who Tony La Russa was and what the experience of him as the manager of the White Sox was going to be like. And when he talks about unwritten rules and he takes an old-school approach to the game of baseball, which is exactly what a lot of people in Chicago feared, is that he maybe would silence or quiet this young dynamic team in a lot of ways of course this is going to be a headline there interestingly back in 2003 jd drew swung at a 3-0 pitch as a member of the cardinals and tony immediately pulled him from the game and put him on the bench and it was the same thing it was come on what are you doing because tony has great respect for the competition and for the opposition and he doesn't want to rub it in the opposition's face and he doesn't want the opposition to rub it in his team's face either and so while he's still abiding by the unwritten rules of baseball, your Mercedes has no idea what the unwritten rules of baseball are. And most fans, or at least the younger fans watching the game, couldn't care less about the unwritten rules of baseball. They want to see action. They want to see home runs. They want to see celebration. And I, I'm not a fan of the unwritten rules of baseball. I think they're pretty dumb 99% of the mm-hmm. time. I understand that Tony La Russa has his allegiance will always lie to the game of baseball more than any of his players more than the laundry his allegiance is always to the game of baseball and what he thinks is the right thing to do for the game which i respect out of him but i also think that the way we have evolved as baseball fans a lot of those rules seem unnecessary and outdated if a football team throws a 55 yard touchdown pass up 49-7 49-7 with 32 seconds left. You have a problem with that? I couldn't care less. It's the same thing. Hey, if you don't like it, stop them. If you don't like it, play better, as yeah. our friend Brad Thompson always says. Right. So that's what it comes down to. I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm tired of the, the unwritten rules. 
And there is a chance that Tony could bother this player. Tony's They're still going to win because Tony's good and the, the team is good. But it has caused a lot of consternation because Tony is one of the guys in baseball that really is stridently behind the unwritten rules. And he's a dinosaur now. Mike Socia is gone. Uh, Jim Leland is gone. Those guys, uh, Joe Torre is gone. Those guys who, Bobby Cox, who are Hall of Famers, who lived by those unwritten rules, are all gone now except for Tony. Yeah. And that's a problem for him is that people don't understand what baseball was in the 60s and 70s. Bob Gibson would not have been happy with your main, your main Mercedes swinging on a 3-0 pitch, but Bob Gibson's dead. So, you know, it, it, that's part of the deal. That's uh, so The unwritten rules are headed there, too. And a lot of the people that are watching the game are used to the video game version yeah. of baseball. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they are. I wonder what Chris Carpenter would have thought. I don't think he would have been too pumped. <laughs> Probably not. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up next on Character and Smallman, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. It is time for Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Whatever question you might have, whatever wisdom I might impart to you, I'm more than happy to do so. All you need to do for whatever question you have, and it might be a question about sports. It might be a question about relationships. It might be a question about uh, what you're going to buy, finances, homes, cars. Hey, young'uns, young'uns, uh, even though I'm not totally on board with the with the unwritten rules, I, I still have sage advice for you. And all you need to do is send in a text and Michelle will provide the question. It's a good balance. You've got the wisdom, but you also understand the new way of doing things. I'm the cool dad. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you definitely are. So this is a good first question from the 618. Randy, I'm a runner sharing the bike and or running trails with bicycles. A group of bikers is heading towards me. Some of the bikers are on my side of the trail and have no intention of moving. What would Uncle Randy suggest I do? Okay, as a cyclist, I find this reprehensible on the part of the the cycling community. And (laughs) all you can do, it's sad, but they'll move out of the way. You just have to play chicken with them. And it's amazing (laughs) that you can get out on a trail and these people think they're Lance Armstrong. Fact of the matter is, if you're riding on a trail, you have to respect the other people. And you have two choices. You can either stop running and get off the trail, or you can play chicken with them. They'll get, they'll, they'll move, ultimately. So you just you stay on your right side. It frustrates me too, by the way, that people do that. But uh, yeah, that's all you can do is uh, play chicken with them. And then if they do, uh, if they get within a foot of you, then you can get off the trail or push them down, <laughs> or push them down. Yeah. Just get aggressive. Mm-hmm. A, a lot. Of, speaking of unwritten rules. There are a lot of unwritten rules about bike and or running path etiquette that sometimes are not followed. Yes. As a runner, I think it's incredibly rude if I'm running on a running path and it's a narrow path and people are walking, they're meandering, taking their time, and they're taking up the full path. 
it's just like a road, okay? It's just like a road. You get the right side, and we're not in Europe, so you get the right side if you're a cyclist or if you're a runner, and the other side gets their right side if they're coming your way, whether you're at Forest Park or Creve Corps Park or if you're uh, doing the trail dub by Grant's Farm. It doesn't matter if you're out in Madison County. Whatever trail you're on, you get the right just like a car. Mm-hmm. The other side gets their right just like a car. Don't be rude. Just be be a good person, all right? right? Right, And if you're walking with someone, allow space on the left side yeah. to pass. If you're walking with someone, you probably like them and get a little closer. Allow allow for a passing lane. It's yeah. not that difficult of a concept. Right. And kids, you don't need to walk four across the entire time, all right? Oh, totally. So if there's a yellow line, you all stay on the right side of the yellow line. Or a white line, whatever the color of the line might be. Whatever. Stay on the right side. That's right. Whatever color it may be. Um, this is not a question, Randy, but this is from the 314. Mm-hmm. It says, Uncle Randy, you gave me advice on getting a new job a couple months back. I'm happy to say that you helped me get a new job. All right. I'm I'm happy that uh, you have that, and I'm, I'm glad that you moved forward. And like we say, at the end of the day here, Ask Uncle Randy's main focus is happiness. And I'm glad that you found a job that makes you happy because if you have, and I know times are tough, but if you are miserable in your current job, at least look for something that makes you happy. You don't have to take it Mm -hmm. because it's hard to find a job and it's hard to find a good paying job. But if you're miserable and you think you can upgrade just in terms of happiness, go for it. And also sometimes going through the process of looking for another job shines light on the fact that your current situation might be the best situation for you. True, right, exactly. From the 618, Uncle Randy, I'm going to be an uncle soon. Congratulations. Love it. What do I do to make sure I'm the best uncle but not too fun where my sister will kill me? (laughs) Okay, Uh, number one, you have a few years. But you want to develop a relationship with the baby. So when the baby is three months old, six months old, a year old, what you want to do, and don't worry about your sister. (laughs) What what you want to do is be fun, okay? When the baby is capable of having cake or candy, you be the one that provides the cake and the candy. You play catch with the youngster. Mm. Roll a ball Mm -hmm. to it. Uh, roll the kid over once they once they get to roll over age six, seven, eight months old, whatever it is. Is that uh, roll over age? I don't know. I don't have kids. Uh, let's see. Patrick first rolled over on Super Bowl Sunday. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see. He was born on July nineteenth. So July, August, September, October, November, December, January. Yeah, like exactly okay. six months. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, one thing about especially little boys, but all little kids, they they like it when you hold them, and they they like just playing around and doing goofy stuff. So that's the thing, is be the person that provides the goofy moment for the kid that makes them laugh. Get on the floor and play with them. That's the bottom line, right. They call it a funkle for a reason. Right. Fun. And the great thing about it is, I don't know if you have kids or if your kids are out or whatever, but you get to leave when, and you don't have to change diapers or anything. Totally. And then when the kid gets older, when they're two, three, four, five years old, that kid's going to love you and you'll have so much fun. Yeah. And have something that's very unique to your relationship. Like mm-hmm. when uncle Matt or whoever it is comes over, we do this. Right. Yeah. Good you know, idea. It's good a little thought. experience. Yep. And again, another thing to do is make sure that uh, like you're the one that provides 
a ball gift. So, you know, drop a or, or a golf club, you know, the, the plastic golf clubs. Totally. Be the one that goes and plays the plastic golf with the youngster. For sure. And boy or girl, by the way. Boy or girl, by the way. From the 217, this is for Ask Uncle Randy. I'm taking my girlfriend to our first Cardinal game as a couple. Okay, I like it. I like it too. What does Uncle Randy suggest to make it an extremely memorable experience? All right, this is good. And I'm assuming it's going to be a night game. So there are a couple of things to make it extremely memorable. Number one, it's different now than back in the day. Uh, if, if it's a night game, take her to dinner over at Ballpark Village. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Budweiser Brewhouse, our, our good friends over there, or Bally Sports Midwest, or wh- whatever you like, uh, have have dinner over there. And the other thing is, is just uh, make sure that she gets to see all the sights of the ballpark. Don't just go to your seats and sit down. When you go over to the ballpark, take a lap and go see the Ford Plaza and go check out the concourses and go look at the championship banners and things like that. Don't just go to your seats and sit down and treat it like, okay, I'm just going to a game to watch. Take in the experience. Also, you can't go wrong with the pulled pork nachos. Yeah, and and that's something because you had dinner right before. I maybe later in the game, but they have good ice cream too. A nice dessert over at the ballpark is always good too. And I don't know if this is her first game. It seems like it might not be, but it's their first game as a couple. What you need to do, because clearly you like this girl, mm-hmm. if you're taking her to a ball game and you're asking how to make it a memorable experience, find Fred Bird. And then have someone take a picture of the two of you with Fred Bird. Good play. So that when your relationship develops, you can look down the road two years later and you'll have this photo. And you can say, remember, this was the first time we went to the Cardinals game together. And, oh, by the way, if you're going tonight and you have to work and you don't have time for dinner at Ballpark Village, the pulled pork nachos when you get there are a a great thing. And they're down the left field line, correct? Like right across the street from Ballpark Village. I think so, yes. So, yeah, find find the pulled pork nachos because they're stellar. I think, yes, it's, you're right. Yeah. That's where it is. It's and, been so long since I've been in the yeah. ballpark. I'm trying to figure out which side they're on. And one other little tidbit of advice, and I, hey, you listen to this show, so you're relatively normal. If it's a Cubs game that you're going to this weekend, don't get into a fight with a Cubs fan. Don't show your manlyhood. Your first game with your girlfriend yeah. by getting into it with a Cubs fan. Just say scoreboard to them. Yeah. Just point to the 11 banners. There you go. Dear Uncle Randy, there was news reported this week that my all-time favorite Tottenham Hotspur, Harry Kane, was asked to leave the club this summer. How do you deal with it when your favorite player doesn't want to be part of the team you love? Other examples include Albert Pujols or Alex Petrangelo. Well, let's start with this. As, As a Tottenham fan, I was disappointed, and I thought it strange that Tottenham's manager said he didn't know anything about it. But yes, it it appears that Harry Kane is walking out the door and that is just the way sports is now. In our current state, you just have to enjoy the player while you have him, but then cheer for the laundry. Tottenham has been around long before Harry Kane and they're going to be around long after Harry Kane. So enjoy the athlete while you have him. And if if you have an allegiance to Kane rather than Tottenham, Follow him and get his kit for whatever team he goes to. And by the way, hopefully the, uh, the the squad that he goes to is not Arsenal. Oh, let's hope not. That would be bad. But he's a wonderful talent, and just appreciate him while he's still a member of your squad. We have so many good questions coming in. I'm going to give you two more, Randy. Okay. 
This one's great from the 618. Dear Uncle Randy, I have tryouts coming up soon for our soccer team. I'm the coach. My best friend's kid is coming out for the team, but is absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. Can I really cut him or do I keep him and cut a better player? Your best friend's player you cannot cut. It's your best friend's kid. Yeah, your best friend's. Now, does he have to play all the time? No. You do have backups. You do have a bench. And it's unfortunate that you have to cut players. But no, you don't cut your best friend's player. Uh, That's just one of the rules of humanity. Your best friend's kid, you can't do it. No, you can't. So what you do is you take your best group of players and you have them. And you've made that decision now. You do not cut your best friend's player. And then you hope the kid gets a little bit better. I... I wish I knew the ages of the kids. Mm -hmm. That would be different. And and by the way, if the kids are 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, they shouldn't be getting cut anyway. But Juice boxes and orange slices for all. Come on. Yeah. You will have enough good players. Look, if he's your last player or another kid is your last player that's a better player, that's not going to affect your ability to win. So, hey, think of it this way. Cardinals are in first place, but Matt Carpenter's on their team. That's right. So your friend's kid is Matt Carpenter. Just look at it that way. Or, yes, and in that same vein, have that kid have an Albert Pujols type role coming off the bench sometimes Mm -hmm. and provides morale to the team. Yep, and especially coming up off the bench when you're up 5-0. Yeah, let him play. Okay, last one from the 314, and I'm interested to see how you handle this one, Okay. Dear Uncle Randy, how do I handle someone that sent me a breakup text and then blocked me right away without giving me the chance to respond? She said nobody treated her better, but said she wasn't sure if what we had could last long term. The way you deal with it is get over your heartbreak in 24 hours and move on. The best thing that ever happened to you was her sending the breakup text and blocking you because you don't have a future with her. You're not going to be able to have fun with her. It's not going to be a relationship that for the long term is going to work to your advantage. So here's how you deal with it. You essentially say to her in your mind, thanks for doing me that favor and find the right one, find the real one. Yeah, because if she blocked you right away, there's really nothing you can do about it. And even if she is... If she's cool and you had a chance for a couple of months, she's very immature. If she broke up with you via text and then blocked you, she's very immature. So even though she might be hot and even though she might be cool, (laughs) the fact of the matter is that A, she did you a favor and B, for every hot, cool girl out there, there's a guy saying, man, I don't want anything to do with her. And so that's what you've become. Is, and there's a lot of hot, cool girls out there. There are, yeah. So, yeah, don't don't worry about it. And there are a lot of, by the way, hot, cool girls that wouldn't break up with you via text. Or block you right away. Or block you right away. So, yeah, I, that that's an easy answer for me. You don't want to pursue that anymore. Also, make sure if she blocked you right away, because she's closing the door firmly, mm-hmm. make sure that you are not following her on social media. Don't get caught in that trap where you're checking her story and seeing where she's at when she's out with her girlfriends. Don't do that. If she's trying to cut it off immediately, make sure you cut it off on your end. Clean break. There you go. Right. And every social media, phone, end of that communication, and hopefully you don't work together. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope not. Uh, By the way, our date couple checking in. Yes. They're going to the game tonight, and they've been dating for nearly a year now. And they said thank you for the advice. Proud of you. Yeah, have a great time. 
And uh, our second date was to a Cardinal game, and it was different because it was a day game, so we did lunch beforehand and then went. But that is fantastic that you two get to spend time. And baseball now is, as much as anything, a social event. So just enjoy each other tonight. Have a good time and know that the Cardinals are going to win. And enjoy those nachos if you get them. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Coming up next... The White Sox have a problem on their hands, apparently, with their veteran manager. We're going to talk about what Tony La Russa said about one of his players swinging at a 3-0 pitch. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, Character and Smallman. And it's time for Take It or Leave It. Michelle, you remember when those 72 days occurred in which Kim Kardashian was married to Chris Humphreys, right? I do, yeah. So in the upcoming latest edition of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Kim is talking to Scott Disick, who has three kids with Kourtney Kardashian. And she says, Kim does to Scott, I don't really want to explain like who Chris Humphreys is. She said, but that's your life. That is your past. And at some point, they're going to be interested in seeing everything. Take it or leave it. Kim's kids probably don't want to see everything. I'm going to go ahead and take that. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take that. Yeah, like, Mom, how did you become famous? How did you get this TV show? How do you explain that when your kid Googles you? Yeah. And they see certain things. I don't know. Right now, North is watching apparently clips from Keeping Up with the Kardashians on TikTok because all of her crying scenes are on there. Oh, yeah. And so they talk about that. But she said that they're going to have to watch the show together. But I don't know how she's going to keep them off the Internet. That's that's dangerous. Yeah. If you're a Kardashian, the fact that your children have access to the Internet is dangerous. It sure is. Okay, Randy, take it or leave it. Nolan Arenado hits a home run tonight. I'll take it. Yeah, five <laughs> in a row. Yeah, he's, he's hit... Uh, six, he's done six in a row, so he will do it tonight. I by the so way, we, sh- we should note, by the way, Chris Humphreys is kind of a troll. His next season playing basketball, war number 72. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> if he, I think self-deprecation is a very important quality yeah, to good. have. It's so, good. But getting back, uh, do you think Nolan's going to hit a home run today? I, do t- I definitely do. He's yeah. on a roll. Yeah, he is. All right, Emily, what do you got for us? From the 314. And remember, I did not write this. Okay. Take it or leave it. Randy tells kids to get off his lawn based on his thoughts on the unwritten rules of baseball. Oh, totally take it. He worked hard on get that off lawn. My lawn. Don't don't trample on the grass. Actually, get off my lawn is trying to protect kids if you watch the movie. So uh yeah, I'll uh, I'll say that. No doubt. I don't know. Randy's Randy's the cool go Randy. So so, hey, if you want your kid to be taunted as somebody hits a home run off him and your kid is crying on the mound and another kid who hit a home run off of him is circling the bases and pointing at him and laughing, it's cool with me. It's not my kid. It's yours. It's fine. I think in that scenario, kid, talking about a scenario involving kids and a scenario involving professional athletes that are getting paid to play the game, totally different, in no, my opinion. Kids play the game that they see on TV. Just saying. Yeah, but I, if I'm ever a parent, I am not going to let professional athletes be role models to my kid. I, I hope that they're looking no, at, at me and the example that I just set. The way it works, and I, I watch saying. a lot of kids' sports, man. I watch a lot of 
high school football. I watch a lot of uh, youth basketball. Kids emulate what the pros do. From the 636, take it or leave it, Hoffman has a power play goal tonight. I'll take that. I'll take that, too. Yeah, he was so close the other night. Get him in... He's got a very specific set of skills, and I think we're going to see them tonight. Yeah, limited, but they are specific and good. <laughs> That's right. From the 314, take it or leave it, Randy says, get off my plane because he's actually Harrison Ford. Ah, oh, there you go. Take it. We get have had a, a lot of people say that Randy has a striking resemblance to Harrison Ford. Yeah, I don't see it, but if they do, that's good. I like to hear it. I like Harrison Ford. A lot, lot worse people you could be yeah, compared right, to. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I would take that one. <laughs> From the 217, take it or leave it, Jack Flaherty pitches a complete game in the Schwarz, the Schwarzenko line. I've never had to say that out loud. Schwarzenko. Yeah, that's, a, uh, that's an Alex Ferrario yeah. concoction, and it's not very good. That's an Alex it, Ferrario special right there. Yeah. Heard it a billion times, never said it. Let me let me restart. From the 217, take it or leave it, Flaherty pitches a complete game, and the Schwarzenko line is reunited for tonight's game. I'm going to leave both. I don't think that Braden Chen makes his way back to center tonight. I think they'll probably go with that yeah, same I'm gonna line. Yeah, I'll leave it too. Okay, so without that then... And by the way, Flaherty's not throwing a complete game. No, so. no, de- so definitely leave it. From the 314, take it or leave it, without the Blues part, Jack throws a no-hitter tonight. Huh. I think I'm going to leave that. I'm going to play the field. <laughs> I'm going to play the field too, but that would be awesome. <laughs> it would be great. From the 636, I live in Denver, and I'm going to game two tonight. Nice. Take it or leave it, I send the boys on a happy flight. Avs are heavy favorites. Oh, hashtag LGB. Hashtag happy flight. Why are you going to the game? Why not just watch it on TV? Oh, wait. If they're in Colorado, they can't, Randy. I don't know if you heard on the morning show, Mark Schlereth was on Market Madness on KJNZ, and he revealed, we obviously didn't know this because we don't live in Colorado, that there's a cable dispute between the cable company and Colorado, the provider, I'm not sure who it is. And Comcast. Stan, Comcast, thank you. And Stan Kroenke. And Avs fans and Nuggets fans have not been able to watch their teams. Altitude Sports, it, with the disagreement, that's the group that Stan owns. And by the way, Stan owns the radio rights, too, and he sends his play-by-play guy around. Altitude Sports has a hockey play-by-play guy with no analyst. So one broadcaster for their hockey games, wow. too. And Altitude's disagreement with Comcast over the last two years has prevented both the Nuggets and the Avs from being on local TV. And so Mark Slareth in Mark of Madness said, our three guys are Vic Fangio 3, Charlie Blackman 2, and number one, Von Miller. And they said, well, why not uh, an MVP candidate from the NBA or the, one of the best players in the NHL? And he said, nobody knows who they are because they never see him on TV. That's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. So, but so typical and expected from Enos. Of course. It's very on brand for him. Yeah. Fits. Definitely. He's such a jerk. He's the worst. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Next up. Which blue needs to step up tonight in Colorado? Which individual needs to step up the most? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 808, 
Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler, Carriker, and Smallman. Blues and Avalanche game two tonight, 8.30 pregame, 9.30 faceoff here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN after the Blues lost 4-1 in the opener. And Michelle, we always talk about the best players needing to be the best players, and I think we can safely say that that was not the case for the Blues in the opener on Monday night. Their best players except for Jordan Bennington, yep. were not their best players. Yeah, Jordan Bennington certainly took that notion to heart. He was unbelievable. And I think the more I digest game one, it concerns me that you got that effort out of Jordan Bennington, and you know that he likely cannot play any better than what we saw yeah. on Monday night. And if if he didn't play the way he did, that would have been a massacre. No. It would have been really bad, really bad. And the Blues are not a team that typically allows 50 shots on goal, right. but they did. And if the Blues are going to play their game, and my concern is, are the Blues even capable of playing with Colorado? If Colorado's playing their game, are the Blues capable of doing what they need to do to prevent Colorado from getting 50 shots. And what the Blues need to do is maintain possession of the puck in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone. You can't get a shot on goal from 200 feet away. That's the old adage. Mm -hmm. So keep the puck deep. I don't know if the Blues are capable of that, but I do think, in my opinion, the one guy that needs to step up is the guy that stepped up when the Blues were down 2-0 in that game late in the season here on the Saturday afternoon at... Enterprise Center. It's Ryan O'Reilly. And I know it, it's a lot against the president's trophy winners to say, yeah, put the team on your back and lead them to victory. But if there's one player that needs to step up for the Blues, the guy that's most capable of it for me, aside from Bennington, is number 90. We've seen Ryan O'Reilly do it before. You're absolutely right. He's the one that's most capable of doing it. I think the only other person that I would really put in that conversation, and Shen did have a good game as well. I thought Shen was great. I'm going to, again, throw Jaden Schwartz in the mix there. We saw him do it in 2019. He has the the capabilities to take over a playoff game. We, we saw him do it with the, with the hat tricks. And so if it's not Ryan O'Reilly, he's the other guy I'm looking at that I think is capable of willing his team to win, essentially. I think the other thing, and I hope the Blues did this in practice yesterday, or just watch on tape, and say that number 29 guy, he's pretty good. So you just can't leave him alone in the slot with nobody between he and the goaltender because Nathan McKinnon is going to score against you. You give him the opportunity, give him the opening, and he's going to take it. Oh, absolutely. You know, he had sat out those games leading into the mm-hmm. postseason with, with a lower body injury. And even though every everything that we read leading in was that he was going to be ready to go, I thought maybe he won't be 100%. Maybe yeah. he'll be, a, you know, a little bit less than 100 No, he, he looked great. He looked and great. Eight points from that line. And that line looks like they're on a mission. And it is the best line in the league. They, they led the league in scoring the three guys in the second half of the season. I believe we're one, two, three in scoring in the whole league. They're lethal. Yeah. So the, the Blues have a lot of work to do tonight in game two of the series. And oh, by the way, if you get down to nothing, are the Blues going to win four out of five against Colorado? Colorado was the president's trophy winners. They won 22 of their 28 home games. If you lose tonight, are you are the Blues capable of winning four out of five against them? Not likely. I don't think so. <laughs> Not likely. However, even though our, our rational selves that are rooted in reality, we're saying it's not likely. One of the pillars of this show is that all roads lead to championships. Yes. All roads lead to hardware. Okay. So let's so find a way. Let's find a way. Let's find a road. I don't have a lot of confidence if they get down to nothing. 
uh, that they'll be able to find that road. Maybe they'll be lost in the woods. The GPS signal is mm-hmm. not available at the time. Yeah, this will be kind of like that Topanga Canyon Road in L.A. that is just down a hill yeah. and it's a winding, dangerous road. But it is a road that leads somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed a road. So why don't the Blues just not put themselves in that situation? Why don't they just even things up tonight and then we can reassess after the game tonight? Score the first goal. Score the first goal. Stay and out take of the box. Chances. Yeah. Uh, Randy from the 217. Tori Krug needs to step up. He's underperformed all year, and this team needs the defense to put pucks on net. I like that idea. And he does have so much ability. It, it is amazing to me that he's underperformed to the level that he has, but he has. And you're right. He needs to step up. You have to have the power play for him to step up. You have to have Colorado in the box. He's not a guy that five on five is going to do damage against the opposition. I think that's been made abundantly clear during the course of the season. Perhaps he can do what he did for Boston, but I just don't see it happening. From the 6-3-6, the Blues suffered worse losses in 19. And with Randy thinking they're done, this is good for the Blues. Uh, That could be. And they did suffer worse losses. But remember how they rumbled down the stretch from January 3rd on how great they were and how mentally strong that team was. You've got a coach who within the last month has called this team fragile emotionally. And I don't know if they've reached that point now where they're they're mentally strong enough to overcome bad losses. And last night, the other night wasn't a bad loss. That was just reality. Colorado was that much better than the Blues were. Let's say the Blues lose tonight. The Blues lose tonight. If David Perron does not play tonight but returns for game three, do you like their chances? No. Uh, In game three? Yeah. I do. But in the series, no. No. I can see how he could provide a spark and you'll have 9,000 fans. Yeah, the Blues might win a game in this series. Colorado's good. Pretty tough hole really to dig out of. Yep. One more for Andy from the 618. Pareko needs a slap shot from the blue line and take out the goalie. Oh, come on. Pareko would. No, he didn't have a shot the other night, did he? Yes, Colton Pareko needs to shoot the puck. And oh, by the way, wouldn't it hurt to have somebody standing in front of the net willing to deflect it in. That's right. Do you recall a time in game one where the Blues had traffic in front of Grubauer? I don't think they did at all. No. We need that big body yeah, in front of the net. We're, we're missing the big rig. Yeah, well, Vladimir Tarasenko can do that. He's just got to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, they, they need somebody to do that. Maybe, well, it's not going to be the big rig. So somebody on this current team has to step up and get in front of the net. So hopefully the 225 ponder will do it also in 2019 it was such a different feel even when the blues had bad playoff losses i don't know if it was the fact that they were in last place and they went on that big winning streak i don't know if it was gloria it just felt like there was something more that was at play there that gave you a little bit more confidence yeah and oh by the way it'd be nice if robert thomas would do something that'd be great i'm really disappointed i don't know what's happened to him you're not even mad you're just disappointed yeah i am Come on, fella. <laughs> Michelle, thank you. That You're is welcome. today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the PGA tournament starts tomorrow in South Carolina. And Michelle and I are going to do a PGA tournament player draft. And whoever wins is going to have the bragging rights. Whoever loses has to suffer a, a humiliating punishment. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
Championship starts tomorrow in Kiowa Island, South Carolina. And this is the second, of course, of the majors this year. And Michelle and I are going to draft five players each for the weekend. The person with the lowest score, the total under par, uh, is going to be the winner. If we either, either one of us, Michelle, if we draft a player that misses the cut, we'll just double their score through the first two rounds. So somebody has 72, 72, we'll give them 72 for the last two rounds as okay. well. So it'll work out that way. And we just hope that we don't have anybody withdraw. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So stay, stay healthy. <laughs> Uh, we will have a draft, and it'll just be a straight, straight draft, not a, a snake draft. And we're actually going to do a computer coin flip, and the loser is going to suffer the indignity of having to spin the wheel on Monday, and we're going to d- determine what the humiliating punishment is going to be. I want to avoid the wheel at all costs. We will, We both want to avoid the wheel. So... <laughs> We will pick our players after we pick the coin flip. And, Michelle, you can make the choice. And Emily actually has a she, – she's got a web page that does the coin flip here. Technology today. Yeah, what is this? What's the web page here you got? I just Googled coin flip, and oh. it does it on Google. Love it. Right off the Google top. Google coin flip. Wow. Okay. So you make the call. Okay. I'm going to call heads. And it is? Heads. All right. All right. Michelle gets the first pick in this PGA Championship draft. It's all you. Okay. I think with my first pick, I'm going with at least who I saw at the top of the leaderboard the last time I looked as far as championship odds. I'm going with Rory McIlroy. Good choice. I like that. And I considered him as a possibility for my number one on my power listing. This is my my big board. But I actually had Jordan Spieth, so I'm going to go with Spieth as my number one. 16 to 1 odds. Yep, gotta like those. Gotta like those. All right, Randy, I um, am going to go with my second pick here in the PGA Championship draft. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. That's who my next pick was going to be. He uh-huh. was, so, so I had him on my big board. Uh, so I will go, and I think I did this with the Masters too, but I'm going to try it here. I'm going to go with John Rahm. Okay, good pick. He was definitely on my radar there. Just because I want to see how it plays out with my third pick, I'm going with Bryson DeChambeau. You love Bryson. Give me Bryson. Okay, good call. Uh, and, and I'm glad you made that pick. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go. I I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley here. That's a good pick. Twenty-two yeah. to one odds here. He, he's played really well this year. So Xander Shoffley is my third choice. All right, Michelle, you're up. Which is fine. Take Xander because with my fourth selection, I think I'm going to go with Dustin Johnson. Give me DJ. I figured you were going to do that. It was pretty predictable for me. Would you have taken Xander if he was there? If you had taken DJ, I might have, yes. Okay. I like that pick. My fourth pick then is going to be Tony Finau. I love Tony Finau. That's a really good pick. Okay. I am between three here. Okay. Based on my big board. And I will have whoever you choose, I will be happy with my last pick. <sighs> I, ooh, I can make a case for either one of these guys. But give me Brooks Kepka. 33 Kepka. to 1 odds. Yeah. Uh, so good in majors, but. He's had the injury issues, and we just don't know if he's going to be healthy. That's that's the one we're crossing our fingers for Correct. in terms of the WD. 
Do you okay. know who it was between for me? Who? Well, I want to see who you pick first. And okay. You know. For me, my last two are between Victor Hovland and Cameron Smith. Mm. And this is tough. I'm going to go with Cameron Smith because I think his game fits Kiowa Island better. So I'm going Cameron Smith. All, All right. right. Who's your other one? My other one that I had, I was between Colin Morikawa. Good call. And I also had Hideki Matsuyama on the radar there. Yeah, he's played great. So Michelle's five are Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepham. You have a leaderboard. You, you've you got the big names there. I have an all-star team. You really do. <laughs> I have Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, and Cameron Smith. I certainly don't have the star power that you have, but I think I have pretty good golfing ability there, so I'm going to take my chances with it. We'll see who spins the wheel on Monday. We will. And uh, so what it comes down to is the person that is combined under par the most is the winner. And the person that is not the winner has to spin the wheel. That's the way it goes. (laughs) So was there anybody else? And it's amazing that here we are, 2021, and... It's sad that we don't have Tiger Woods on the board. I was thinking that, too. Last night when I was doing my reading, I'm like, man, tournaments, there's a lot of star power still in golf, but just not having Tiger to discuss, it's it's lost a little something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Michelle, I know that you call the game, you call it bags, right? I do call it bags. I know most people call it cornhole, but I grew up here in St. Louis, and at least on the Illinois side of the river where I was from, we called it bags. There is going to be a cornhole tournament right here in the St. Louis metro area. And I want you to know about it because it benefits Code 3 Response, which is something that I'm heavily involved with. It's Saturday, this coming Saturday, May 22nd at Fallon's Grill and Tap in Ellisville. There's a tournament. The entry fee, $35 per player in advance. The day of the event, if you go to Fallon's, you can play for $40 per player. It begins at 10 in the morning. And the turn, uh, registration begins at 10. The tournament itself begins at 11. And even if you just want to come out and be a fan and benefit Code 3 Response, which benefits injured firefighters and police officers, it's a great cause. It's a great event, and you'll have a lot of fun. Pool play followed by double elimination tournament. The top two teams from each pool advance to an A bracket. And then the remaining teams will be in the B bracket. Adult and kids beverages, raffle prizes, 50-50 raffle, barbecue provided by Fallon. So get on out to Fallon's on Saturday, 10 o'clock registration, 11 o'clock for the action. And it's a bags tournament. It sounds like a blast. Yeah, it should be great to benefit Code 3 response. And you know what? I will put this up on my uh, on my Twitter page, too, so that if you don't know about it, you can learn more. Just go to my Twitter page, which is at... Uh, Randy Carricker, and you can also find me on the the Insta at RJ Carricker. And Michelle, we can find you on the Insta as well. At M. Smallman, Twitter and Instagram, at M. Smallman. With an O, small, mon. M-O-N. Yeah, kind of like we're in Jamaica. That's right, mon. There we go. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight for you on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 834. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time for the fight. Let's welcome in Randy's competition today. John is with us. What's up, John? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? We're doing great. You ready to take on Randy in the fight today? Uh, hopefully. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. All right. Well, let's jump right in. Question number one for you. Ryan O'Reilly was announced yesterday as the Blues nominee for the King Clancy Re Memorial Trophy. Who was the last Blue to win the award? Is it Curtis Joseph, Doug Waite, or Kelly Chase? Okay. Uh, I'm not too great on Blues. I'm going to say Curtis Joseph. Last night, Detroit's Spencer Turnbull threw the fifth no-hitter of the MLB season. It was the first no-hitter for the Tigers since who? Max Scherzer, Matthew Boyd, Justin Verlander. Um, I know Scherzer's thrown a couple with the Nationals, or at least one. Uh, I'll go I'll go Verlander. Winnipeg Jets star Mark Shifley has two pet goats named after two sport goats, golfer Tiger Woods, and which current NFL quarterback? Is it Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, or Tom Brady? Uh, uh, I'll go Brady because he's the most uh, relevant off the air, relevant, so. And New York Liberty's Sabrina Ionescu became the youngest player in NBA in WNBA history to record a triple double last night. Where did Ionescu play college hoops? Oregon, Oregon State, or Washington State? Uh, Oregon. All right, checking our score. Randy's on his way in. John, you said blues weren't your strength. What is? Uh, Cardinals. Cardinals. I'm very good in baseball. So you got zero Cardinals questions today. I'm sure you're I know, pumped. I know. I was, I was hoping for more. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's rare that we don't have any Cardinals questions. So unfortunately, John, just not your day. But I have to tell you, you, oh, did, yeah. you did well. You did well. Randy, please Thank say you. good morning to John. Morning, John. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Randy. How are you? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you for having me. Question number one, mm -hmm. Randy. Ryan O'Reilly was announced yesterday as the Blues nominee for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. Mm -hmm. Who is the last Blue to win the award? King Clancy Memorial Award. This is one of the ones that people really strive for. Definitely. Uh, I'll do the lifeline. Curtis Joseph, Doug Waite, Kelly Chase. I'll go with Chaser. Last night, Detroit's Spencer Turnbull threw the fifth no-hitter of the MLB season. Mm -hmm. It was the first no-hitter for the Tigers since who? Um, I'm sorry, the first no-hitter for the Tigers since who? Did I say fifth? Yeah, first, no. Uh, I don't know if Verlander had one since Galarraga. Galarraga one was a pretty long time ago. I will go... Verlander had one, one with Houston and one with Detroit. But I'm thinking that he had his before Armando Galarraga. So I'll go Galarraga. I'll be surprised if you don't know this one, Randy. Okay. Winnipeg Jet star Mark Shifley has two pet goats named after two sports goats. Golfer Tiger Woods and which current NFL quarterback? It would almost have to be Tom Brady, would it not? And New York Liberty's Sabrina Ionescu became the youngest player in, in, in WNBA history to record a triple-double last night. Ooh. Where did she play college hoops? What's her name? 
Sabrina Ionescu. Okay. I'll go UConn. Oh, this was a tough fight. Randy John, after question number one, said he wasn't great on blues. He was good on Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Zero Cardinals questions today yeah. for our guy. <laughs> Emily, let him know who won. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. <laughs> fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. John, you didn't need any Cardinals questions because your sports knowledge is so vast that you got three correct and Randy only got two. So congratulations, you won. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So the last blue to win the King Clancy Memorial Trophy was Kelly Chase back in 1998. Spencer Turnbull threw the fifth no-hitter of the baseball season last night. It was the first no-hitter for the Tigers since Justin Verlander Mm -hmm. on May 7th, 2011. We all know that Mark Shifley has two pet goats named after Tiger Woods and Tom Brady. And Sabrina Ionescu from the Liberty played college hoops at Oregon. Yeah, I don't do a WNBA. Understand. I had to throw the goats one, and that was fun. Yeah, that's fun. So, John, congratulations. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You get to face Randy again one step closer to the Hall of Fame. All right, wonderful. Thank you guys so much. All right, thank you very much. We appreciate it, John, and we will talk to you tomorrow. And, Michelle, we've got tickets to give away. Yes, we do. And not only any tickets, Randy, Cubs-Cardinals tickets. We've Cards-Cubs tickets, and we would love to have you participate. As a matter of fact, this weekend, as the Cardinals play the Cubs, 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of tickets for Sunday's game at Bush. New ticket locations have just been added for Friday through Sunday, with the Cubs coming to town to take on the Redbirds. Tickets started at just 20 bucks, and at each game, 10,000 fans entering with a ticket will take home an adult replica embroidered jersey, courtesy of Scott Credit Union. Get all the details on 2021 Cardinals tickets and upcoming giveaways at cardinals.com slash promotions. But we are going to provide you a pair of tickets to Cards and Cubs on Sunday, and we're going to do it the normal way. So here's the rule. You have to text in 65780 with mm-hmm. our special word. We will, if you are a random listener and a texter that is chosen, we'll call you and you will have to provide us with a great dad joke. We want a great dad joke. Just not a, we don't just want a normal run of the mill vanilla dad joke. We want a great one. Make us laugh. Yeah. So, so we will give these away. Hold on, let me check. When, yeah, when should we give the word? The word to win. We'll, we'll give the word to win. Sometime in the next hour? Uh, yeah, why don't we do it sometime in the next hour? And we've got... So you have to listen. You have to be listening to get the word to win. Yep. Uh, you know what we'll do is... Uh, why don't we do it right before you're killing me, Smalls? So we'll give the word very soon. And then uh, we'll provide you with the opportunity to win tickets with your Kill Me Smalls coming up at 920 because we've got Adam Wainwright today at 940. But oh, next yes, up. Yes, that's right. At 940, Adam Wainwright. 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 Wainwright Wednesdays with Wayno. That's a lot of W's. But that's right. We forgot to promote that. Different time today. Yeah, 940. So 940 for him. So stick around. We'll have that word for you soon. But next up, we've got Darren Pang, Blues analyst on Bally Sports Midwest, getting ready for, ready for game two between the Blues and the Avs. Panger next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Hey, 
Hey, if uh, you are at the golf course where Darren Pang apparently is, <laughs> just head on out to the third hole and say, hey, Kerrick and Smallman are trying to track you down, Panger. It looks like a beautiful day outside. I don't blame him for wanting to be at the golf course. He's Panger is a golf gamer. He'll play under any circumstances. Really? Yeah, he'll play in the rain. He'll play in the cold. Yeah. Hail? Yeah, everything. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's he is a gamer. But... He's not with us right now. But, Michelle, as we approach Blues Avalanche Game 2 tonight, got a text earlier that the Blues are going to win simply because I said they can't, which is valid. Mm -hmm. That has happened before. When I have said teams can't win, many times they do. I just think Colorado is better than the Blues right now. Colorado's really good. They're the best They're the best team in hockey. They won the President's Trophy. Yeah. But, Randy, you did say there's no way the Blues are making the playoffs, right? I did say that, and, and here, they're in the playoffs. Here, here we, we are. are. Here we are. Game two. Uh, you. It, it almost seems like, yes, the universe, at least for the past few seasons, when it comes to Blues hockey, has given you the opposite. In 19, you didn't think they would win. You actually kissed the cup. You, yeah, I you did. You kissed the cup. And, yeah. And most... Uh, or I guess history would tell us that that's a no-no, that you don't touch the cup or kiss the cup until it's earned. So maybe... I touched it first. You did. We would. We might not be cool, Randy, if the Blues would have lost that. I've never <laughs> been mad at you in my entire life, not one time, except for that. That's when you were on the fast lane, and I was not listening to the show at the time. The cup was here in the studio. I got to take a picture with it. I got my distance. We were socially distancing with the cup before yep, the pandemic because we were so nervous. I was making out with it. You definitely were. Things got very intimate between you and Lord Stanley. But I got a text from someone that said, are you listening to the fast lane right now? And I said, no, no, I'm out at something I'm doing. Why? What's going on? They're like, Randy kissed the cup. I go, you're, that's not even funny. Don't even <laughs> pretend. Randy would never do that. I go, Randy, more than anyone, understands superstition and the potential curse of the blues. We had Googled on the dark web how to break a curse. We did. There's no way that the one rule about the cup, Randy would break so brazenly. As the had blues to try something, Michelle. And the Stanley Cup Nothing final. else was working. So do we need to get the cup back in here? It's not a bad idea. <laughs> Have you kiss it again? Phil, Phil, find find your way to St. Louis with the cup. Plant one on that on Lord Stanley, but yeah, the Blues They're going to have their hands full with the Colorado Avalanche. They're a very good team. And the the biggest thing is it's not winning tonight. It's being able to beat them consistently and being able to handle their talent consistently because like the Blues a couple of years ago, in a different way, they come at you in waves. They've Mm -hmm. just got a lot of really good players. And they're a different team than they were a couple of years ago. When you add a Donskoy, when you add a uh, Kadri, They've got much more grit and much more sandpaper than they had a couple of years ago. Now, the other thing they have is that it, you, you used to be able to legitimately call that top line of theirs, the, the McKinnon, Landis, Scott, Grandin line, even though they're big guys, mm-hmm. you, could have, you could have said they were soft, that you could pound them into submission. Not anymore. No. They, they played a heavy game the other night. In addition to their skill and their speed, they played with a high level of toughness, too. They're really good. Yeah. And so how do you respond to that? You have to be, especially at playoff time, you have to be tougher. You have to be heavier. And was it Chaser that said that the Blues bullied the Sharks out of the playoffs a couple of years ago? You have to be the bully. Physical. Yep. You need, it's 
so easier said than done. But if the Blues set the tempo, if they force Colorado to play their game, they have a chance. Stay out of the box. Play that physical style. I would like to see some some bodies in front of the net, mm-hmm. too. That would be great. But I think... You can't rely on Jordan Bennington. He's given you everything that he can. Right. Someone else is going to have to step up. I know you mentioned that you think Ryan O'Reilly needs to do that, right? He was the guy who stepped up when the Blues needed him most against Colorado here in St. Louis uh, about a month ago. And the Blues were down 2 nothing Saturday, and I gave up after they were down 2 nothing. And then I get in my car, and they're up 3-2. And it was because <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly took over. And he is the guy, the one guy right now, that is capable of taking over for the Blues on both ends of the ice. All due respect to Schenner, who played great the other night and does play a heavy game, and if the Blues are going to win, has to be a key because of his physical play. But he's spent half of the season not scoring, and he's just not that guy anymore on a regular basis. We know, because we've seen it recently, that Ryan O'Reilly can do it at both ends of the ice. The texts are rolling in, Randy, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. This one from the 314. I keep hearing which player needs to step up. I think it's more than three players that need to step up. Tarasenko, Schwartz, and Benner, more people than those three need to step up. Absolutely, they do. And you need a a total, uh, this is trite, but to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you need not only a total team effort, but... If you're going to win a series like this, it's a war of attrition. Mm-hmm. And you're going to need other people. You're going to need Sanford and Blay. You're going to need your fourth liners. At some point, you're going to need McEachern to step up and play well. You're going to need all of your guys to do something. But you also aren't going to win games, regardless of how good Jordan Biddington is, by scoring only one goal. You need to score more than one goal. When it comes to the war of attrition, that's where I tend to have more faith in the Blues because so many players on this team were with that team in 19 that won the Cup. Mm -hmm. They understand what it's like to be in a high-pressure situation, to have a short memory, and to, to put yourself mentally in that space because the Stanley Cup playoffs are a different animal, but but there's so many seasoned guys on this team. So I think that from that standpoint, they're certainly capable. I would never have dreamed three years ago that on May 19th of 2021, I would be saying this. But part of the war of attrition, the reason that the Blues were able to win a couple of years ago is because Oscar Sundquist was such a key member of that team. Not having Sonny really affects the Blues in that particular war because he did it. He plays so that you don't want to play anymore. That's the kind of player he is. Mm -hmm. Now, it's hard to get a team like Colorado to not want to play anymore. At the end of that series against San Jose, they just didn't want to play anymore. They were they were done. Yeah. Same, th- same thing with the Winnipeg series. They, they were done. They just yeah. didn't want to play anymore. And Sunquist was a big part of that, and they've never, and they it's hard to replace a guy like that. They'll get him back next year, but they don't have that guy now that is just go w- willing to go in there and staple somebody up against the end boards on the forecheck. Or a guy like Pat Maroon, who not only is going to get the body in there, but will skate by the opposition and say, you guys are blanked. He brought attitude. He did. And the Blues don't really have an attitude like that right now. They hoped that when they signed Clifford that he would bring some attitude. And another guy that they really miss because of his speed. And this is one of the reasons, by the way, that I think it might be advantageous for the Blues to lose Tarasenko because they need to find somebody to replace Alexander Steen. Mm -hmm. They need a player that has is conscientious on the defensive end of the ice and has speed and can be a key fourth-line contributor. They still need, and I hope that 
Nico Mikola turns into a really good player, but they need another defensive defenseman. And you're hoping that Robert Thomas turns into a top six quality forward, but you just don't know yet. But the Blues, I'll, I'll say it, the Blues will be better off not having Vladimir Tarasenko this offseason so that they can go spend some free agent money on other guys. That just happened. Yep. It, hey, the guys, as Panger said, 24 games, he's played four or five good games. Mm-hmm. He's had three shoulder surgeries. It's difficult. Who, who comes back from three shoulder surgeries? He's going to be 30 years old. And it's been a long time since he's, a long time since he's played well. When's the last time you remember Vladimir Tarasenko playing well? Was it in the Stanley Cup Finals? It's been a long time. And even then I remember talking about and reading about the fact that he had it taken over a game at certain points. Yeah. So with the fact that, and I don't know if they'll re-sign Schwartz, with the pro, certainly not at the money that he's made, but hopefully you can bring Schwartz back on a lesser contract. But even if you bring him back, the Blues need some supplements. And Curb said Monday when we had him on, it feels like a team in transition because of unexpected losses of guys like Steen and Sunquist. So you know what this means. What's that? Tarasenko game-winning goal tonight. Hat, hat-trick game-winning goal. There you go. There you Book go, Vladdy. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we might have a word for you. And we're also going to talk a little bit about what we have coming up with uh, the Cardinals tonight and a little bit more on your blues on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Nine oh one in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we do have your Killing Me Smalls coming up. And during your Killing Me Smalls, we're going to give away a pair of Cardinal tickets for this Sunday's game against the Cubs. Somebody's going to have to tell us a great dad joke. But before that, you're going to need to text in. Michelle, do you have a good word so people can text in so that we know that they really want the Cardinal tickets? Well, when I think of cards cubs randy i obviously think of a great rivalry one of the best rivalries in sports and with rivalries comes contention and i think public enemy number one at least right now on the cubs has to be chris bryant he's having a great year he's having a great year and he had some not so great things to say about our amazing city i think he called st louis boring he did so maybe the code word to 65780 should in fact be boring clearly he's never been to the world famous st louis zoo forest park in general one of the great art museums in the history of the world never been to the top of the arch that one's okay never been to the bevo mill (laughs) never been clearly to one of the you mentioned the art museum didn't we talk yesterday about how uh it was national museums day all the great museums city museum right he clearly hasn't had any great barbecue here because that's not boring that's a party in your mouth maybe when they get to town on friday for the friday night game before he goes into the ballpark he can make a trek out to the butterfly house (laughs) we're telling him st louis is boring and telling him to go to the butterfly i'm just saying you want some excitement chris i could think of some other things that People may suggest to him, but I'm not going to make that suggestion here. But you know what I will say? St. Louis is one of the great patio cities in the world. Not even even America, the world. Really? When the sun comes out, St. Louis comes alive. Great patios, great beer selection, 
And uh, so he should just go grab a cold one and have a great local beer at one of our many fine establishments. So you've got a chance to win a pair of tickets to Cards Cubs Sunday at Bush. Get all the details on 2021 Cardinal tickets and upcoming giveaways at cardinals.com slash promotions. Text the word boring to 65780. Michelle, Jack Flaherty is 7 0. And granted, he's gotten a lot of run support, but not lately, but he's still winning. Is this day that Jack Flaherty pitches for the Cardinals, has it become win day for the Cardinals? Do you count on him? Do you just put it in the bank that the Cardinals are going to get a W on the days he pitches? I write it in Sharpie. Yep, I do too. Guaranteed win. Now, as you mentioned, the run support, we've seen Jack in years prior have great outings, and there was a stretch there where he wasn't getting run support from his team. So the fact that he's got that is amazing. But he has just been so strong for the team this year. He's He's been the ace that the mm-hmm. Cardinals needed him to be. He's giving them innings, and especially... You know, Wayno has pitched great for the Cardinals, but he has not gotten the run support that Jack has gotten. Adam Wainwright could very easily be at least 6-1. and one. His start in San Diego, not the best. But with the other guys, you had Martinez get hurt, and KK was hurt at the beginning of the season. You haven't seen Michaelis yet. Gant has uh, had troubles with walks. Oviedo has been up and down. So... Jack is the guy. He's the horse. He's the ace. And the Cardinals count on him tonight. And that's from a pitching perspective. And then you get to number 28. And, Michelle, we've played 42 games. We're a quarter of the way through the season. And Nolan Arenado, with four home runs in four games, now has 10 homers. And he's on pace for 40 home runs. He's got an OPS of 944. And when you look at what he has been able to accomplish so far, outside of the elements in mm-hmm. Arizona, in uh, Colorado, been pretty phenomenal. He's better than advertised, which is difficult to do because he was pretty, pretty highly advertised mm-hmm. heading into St. Louis. And the more I watch him, he is more than worth the price of admission. Yeah. He's the reason that you're going to, one of the reasons that you're going to buy a ticket. And he is just... He brings so much to this team, not only from the defensive standpoint. You mentioned the four straight games with the homer. He brings that intensity that we love here in St. Louis. You know what I was thinking about when I'm watching him last night? There was a a stretch there of a few years where Cardinals fans felt like, and maybe today isn't the day to bring this up, but they were missing that Tony La Russa fire, that Mm -hmm. Dave Duncan fire that so many Cardinals teams had, that relentless intensity and that feeling of, our guys are going to show up every day and beat you. And we like our chances here. Nolan Arenado has brought that back to this team in a lot of ways. Of course, Wayno and Yachty still have it. But to have a star, a new star on the team like Nolan Arenado have that same intensity, it, it makes it fun again. And also, every time I watch him, I think I cannot believe how royally the Rockies screwed this one up. Yeah, it's remarkable. It is. I'm I'm almost impressed that they were able to screw it up with him so badly. Yeah, he's one of the five best players in baseball. And all he wants to do is win. He's great with the media. He's great with the fans. There's not one negative, at least that we've seen, in regards to Nolan Arenado. And if you're the Rockies, the fact that you had him there, you signed him to that deal, and you not only couldn't build around him, but then you had this standoff with him publicly – where, where you, you couldn't put your ego aside and talk to him and, and try to make it work or show him that you were really trying to win. It just blows my mind. When you lay it out like that, it's identical to the Ryan O'Reilly situation in Buffalo. It is. 
any bad teams out there, bad organizations that don't want to win and have disgruntled stars, please send them to St. Louis. Last seven days for Nolan Arenado, he is 11 for 23. He has four homers, seven RBIs. He's walked a couple of times, and he's lifted his OPS for the season to 944. Wow. And at some point, by the way, Paul Goldschmidt is going to have a week or two where he is that hot. And that's mm-hmm. what the Cardinals have been missing. They've had the the one guy, but the guy that you could pitch around. Mm-hmm. And Goldie's going to get hot, too. And he's going to have his great week or two. And that's how you win, is by having multiple impact hitters. Dylan Carlson's going to have that stretch, too. And that's how you wind up winning divisions, is by having that group of players that can carry the team for a time. Harrison Bader, by the way, has been really good since he came back, too. And how huge is that for the the dynamics of this lineup for Harrison Bader to be performing offensively the way that he is? I kind of wish they would have just kept him in the eight hole. I I understand moving him up and rewarding him for what he has done offensively, but he really he cares. He he's a player that is concerned about how he is performing, and that eight eighth position in the National League is a hard position to hit in because mm-hmm. you never know if you're going to be pitched well. Well, you're always going to be pitched well, but you never know how you're going to be pitched. And with a guy like Bader, he takes pride in finding a way to succeed. Mm-hmm. And his approach has changed dramatically. And I like the fact that he is. He, he's not swinging for the fences when he has a 3-1 count. He's just trying to get his bat on the ball or take a walk. He seems more comfortable up there, doesn't he? Yeah. And by the way, He's hitting breaking balls, which is an issue that he's had in the past, too. So hopefully that'll be something that continues for him. All right, Michelle, the Blues tonight in Colorado taking on the Avalanche. Game two, and we mentioned the guy that I need. I think needs to step up. And I, I the, the question I have today, the big question, my overarching question is this, today's big thing. Can the Blues win four out of five if they don't win tonight? I'm going to say it's unlikely. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say no. The, Colorado's so good. Yeah, and, and Colorado is dynamic at home. 22 wins, 28 home games, 22, 4, and 22, two, 4, and 2, I think it was. That's 28, right? <laughs> They're fantastic in every way. They're very well coached. Grubauer's had an unbelievable season. And so the only way that the Blues are going to be able to handle them in my opinion, is if they get a win here. I I wouldn't expect the Blues to be able to go back for a game five or a a game seven and win it there. Not when you're going to have your blood in the water for, and you're not playing the Sharks, but for the Avalanche, your blood in the water. If you go in there and they have an elimination game in game five or game seven. From the 314, we need Tank, Vladimir Tarasenko. He doesn't like that nickname, but it applies here. Remember when he wanted us, everyone to call him Vova? Yeah. That was the nickname. I said, why do you want us to call you a female body part? No, that's a different word. Oh, okay. Because here in America, we think Tank is a cool nickname. We he do. Didn't, he didn't like it. He didn't like it. So, no. But anyway, uh, from the 314, we need Tank to play like he did in 2019. Yeah, that'd help. But is he capable? Is he physically capable of doing that now? I don't know if he is. I don't think he is. In the first period on Monday, I thought maybe Vladimir Tarasenko could get this cook in. We, the signs are there sometimes. Yeah, he's aggressive. Yes, and plays his game. 
but he just doesn't look, Michelle, to me, like a guy who can take over a game. Like he can win a one-on-one battle and score in a one-on-one battle anymore. He used to be able to do that. He did it on a pretty regular basis. As a matter of fact, the play when he has suffered his last shoulder injury, that's what he was trying to do, was to win a one-on-one battle like that. He doesn't appear to even try to make those anymore. And maybe, well, not maybe, certainly that's a result of the shoulder injury. But he's not a guy that you can have be a star in the playoffs anymore. But if you're not going to go 100%, if you, if not now, when? You know, sacrifice the body. My, Ryan my O'Reilly was playing with broken ribs yeah. in 19. I wonder if Laddie is going 100%. And that's, this is this the This is the 100%. Yeah. I, I agree. I just wonder, and obviously we'll we'll never really know because we're not inside his, his mind, but if after you've had three surgeries, mm-hmm. if there's moments where physically you're a little hesitant. Absolutely. It's that's human nature, case. I would imagine. Right. And some guys don't care about injuries and come back and right. have no issues whatsoever and do things that because they're confident. Marshall Falk came off of a knee surgery one time and first time he touched the ball. After coming off knee surgery, he had a 77-yard touchdown run. Wow. Two weeks later. Some guys are capable of doing that. And Vladdy, this isn't just one injury. It's it's multiple injuries. And you have to think about that. I would. And then you have to mentally overcome that and do things that you don't think that you can do. I know that's a hard thing to put out of your mind. It's, it's almost impossible. But the guys who come back from injuries are the guys that are able to overcome the mental hurdles to do it. It's very difficult because these players, let's talk about Vladdy specifically. Think about the rehab that you have to endure not once, not twice, but three times. Mm -hmm. It's hard to forget that. It's hard to, in the moment, not think about not wanting to get injured again. It's much easier said than done from our couch than it is when you're in the moment on the ice. Yeah, so uh, I don't want to be critical I'm just trying to be a realist here. I wonder if he's just physically incapable and because of that, perhaps emotionally incapable of being the player that he was. And that's why I would leave him unprotected because from what I've seen now for two calendar years, I I haven't seen him be great. Do I want to spend seven seven and a half million dollars on a bet? Doesn't sound very fun to me. I'm not Craig Carton. No. no. I don't do that. What about this one, Randy, from the 314? I think 91 carries a chip on his shoulder in a negative way since he didn't get named captain. Yeah, he, he did mention that he was upset about not being named captain, but then he didn't play. Right. Do you want to have a, a guy wearing the C who's not playing for you? Part of the job of the captain is to speak to the media after mm-hmm. every game. The best ability, uh, what do you always say, Randy? The best ability is, is availability. availability. Exactly. And he wasn't available at that time. I understand why he would want that honor. I understand why he would want to have the C on a sweater, but also he has to live in reality. And I would also like to think that at this moment in time that he's more focused on helping his team win Mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form and advancing to the next round and winning another Stanley Cup than he would be worried about who's the captain. And he has been a guy, by the way, that in the past has been reluctant to deal with the media. Even at, at the end of playoff games, he wouldn't deal with the media, and the Blues had to force him out. I remember specifically one morning when 
Hitchcock and Armstrong were having a press conference, and they had to bring Vladdy out because he wouldn't speak to the media after the Blues had limited, been eliminated by the play, in the playoffs. Yikes. If you're the captain, you got to do that. Every single night. Yeah. It's an exhausting job. Yeah. And mm-hmm. people say, oh, the media. Well, we're the conduit to you, the people that are buying the tickets. So when we want to know why something happened and when we want to find out how the Blues were eliminated, that explanation has to come first and foremost from the coach and the captain. Being the captain is is a great honor. Would you want to be the captain of a team? You're the leader. You're you're hopefully the voice that people listen to. As you mentioned, you're the yeah. conduit between the coach so you can help dictate certain situations. But the responsibility that yep. comes with that is, it's a lot. I'm fine with it. I would be. But if I were in Russia and... I were speaking a second language or if I were in Latin America and speaking mm-hmm. a second language, I wouldn't want to be the front man from, for the fans and the media if I w- didn't have a complete command of the language. No. I don't know if I would love that job. After every every single game, you have to plop down and have all of these questions mm-hmm. fired at you. You're not only trying to answer them effectively for the media and the fans, but you're trying to protect your teammates. You're trying right. to... It's just a very fine line that you have to walk yeah. all, all the time. There are a select few that are great at it, that have the ability as a player and the ability as a media person to be front and center. But again, those guys are making big money too. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Michelle and I are going to give away a pair of tickets for Sunday's game against the Cubs. And we've got You're Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN, Michelle and Randy. And we're going to head to Potosi where Mike is standing by. And Mike has taken upon himself to text the word boring in to 65780 in the hopes that he can win, Michelle, a pair Mm -hmm. of tickets to Sunday's Cardinals-Cubs game. And all Mike has to do since he texts boring into 65780 and Emily selected him is now regale us with a great dad joke. All right, so uh, Mike, first of all, welcome. It's great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. How are you doing this morning? Doing pretty good. Good. All right, the question is, do you have a dad joke that lives up to the character and Smallman's standards of greatness? (laughs) I hope so, but we'll try. Okay. Uh, What's a nurse's favorite color of crayon? What is a nurse's favorite color of crayon? I can't say as I know. I don't know either. Red, because sometimes they have to draw blood. (laughs) Great one, Mike. Mike. Yes. Mike from Potosi, that is absolutely worthy of a pair of Cardinals Cubs tickets on Sunday. And uh, we'll have you stop by, pick them up, and enjoy the game. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks for playing today. We appreciate it. All right, thank you guys for the tickets. Uh, You got it. So Mike from Potosi is on his way to the game. We have some listeners that not only appreciate the art of the dad joke, but they can deliver. Their delivery is really strong. Yep. Occasionally they have to draw blood. Draw blood. (laughs) I still liked our first joke. What's brown and sticky? A stick. A stick. (laughs) Very nicely done. That's good. All right. It's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. 
It was the Battle of St. Louis in the NBA last night. Jason Tatum versus Bradley Beal. The Celtics versus the Wizards in the NBA play-in game. Jason Tatum, though, even though he loves and respects Bradley Beal, no love lost for the Wizards. He scored 50 points. He led the Celtics past the Wizards with a 118-100 victory. Boston is now the seventh seed, so they're going to face the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday night in the first round of the NBA playoffs. So proud of those two guys doing great work in the NBA and remembering their community as well. And all kinds of questions over the last couple of days as to whether or not Jason would even be able to go. Not only does he go, but he goes to the tune of 50 and leads his team to a victory. And he's the only guy they have now. Jalen Brown's hurt, and uh, they've lost uh, over the course of the last year, uh, lost several of their key performers. So he was kind of by himself and won it for the Celtics. So let's go Celtics. Yeah, that's our team now, especially Bradley Beal will have another opportunity, right? He gets to play the Pacers at home. So if they win, they'll be the number eight seed. If the Pacers win that game, they will be the eighth seed against Philadelphia. You're killing me, Smalls. Speaking of St. Louis, Randy, Emily sent this to me, and I wanted to share it with you. So on Thursday, as you know, it was a YouTube game, the Cardinals versus the Brewers. They had players mic'd up, and Colton Wong had a mic on, and he had an interaction with Nolan Arenado talking to him about his new city. How are you liking St. Louis so far? Dude, they're going to love you there, bro. Sad I left, but, bro, you're going to love it. How are you liking St. Louis so far? You couldn't really hear Arenado in that clip, but he was saying he loves it. He's like, I love it here. Love it. That's very cool. So, and every time he's talked, he said that he does love it. So I'm hopeful that he's going to not opt out. I, I would be shocked at this point if he did, wouldn't you? I would, but aren't you scared of the Dodgers? No. They just signed Albert Pujols to play first base. I'm not scared. Okay. And maybe I'm overconfident. But he seems to really fit in well here. Yeah, he does. He seems to have found a good home. And even though the Dodgers could be a looming threat, I don't know. If, I, if I'm him, this seems like a pretty good spot to you be. You take the bird in the hand because of the contract, right? Yeah. But his agent will know what the Dodgers will want to spend. And if you're the Dodgers, Justin Turner could move over to first next year. You could play Arenado at third. But you, the thing is, if you're the Dodgers you have to pay him more than $35 million a year for the next seven years. I don't, I, I don't know if they would want to do that. I don't even want to discuss that, that possibility. I'm just throwing it out there, Michelle. Here we are, Randy. I play you a cut about Nolan Arenado he saying he loves St. Louis. Colton Wong, who, as we know, had a very emotional response in his mm-hmm. first at-bat and his return to St. Louis, who, who had a beautiful letter to the city after he left to go to Milwaukee. We're talking about how much he loves St. Louis, and you want to dangle the Dodgers. I'm sorry, Michelle. I apologize. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. That's right. Don't you put that on us. Don't you put that on us, Randy. Don't you put that on us. Okay, I won't. I retract everything I just said. He's playing so well right now. He's blossoming (laughs) in his new environment. Don't you put that evil on us. Okay, it didn't happen. You never heard it. We're going to erase it from the podcast. Brought to you by I Promise. And especially after, I don't want you to talk about this, especially, well, actually, maybe keep talking, Randy. Keep saying he's going to the Dodgers, which means he'll definitely stay here. There's a possibility. Which means he'll definitely stay here. Because it seems like some of the things that you put out there, the opposite happens. It's true. He, how hated would he be 
Oh, man, that that would be bad. It'd be Gretzky-esque. People have 110% bought in on him. Yeah. That would be. Whew. Even Matt Holiday would be mad. And I wouldn't want to upset Matt Holiday. I wouldn't either. So, no, that's cool. And by the way, great conversation, too. Wonger with the, his great appreciation of St. Louis and knowing that once we get more fans in the stands and it'll be cool to have 30,000 fans this weekend and the cheers that he'll get. And, and it's just going to grow. His love and St. Louis's love will just grow as the crowds grow. Correct. You're killing me, Smalls. The internet went nuts yesterday, Randy, because ESPN Films announced a multi-part documentary series. It's going to tell the story of one of the greatest icons in modern sports. And according to the press release, we'll reveal the man behind the icon. There's only one person we're talking about, and it is the captain, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. My question is, is there enough video out there? Are there <laughs> enough people that are willing to talk about Derek Jeter to make this anything more than just a vanilla cheerleader event? Because he handled this era of phones with cameras, people putting their phones in their basket when they came to his home. Not the gift basket. No. Just so we're no. clear. Yeah. Right. Now, they got the gift basket when they left, had to put their cell phone in a separate exactly. basket, a, a specific cell phone basket when they arrived at St. Petersburg. And the only reason we knew that is because he brought a girl home twice and she got two baskets. <laughs> so maybe we get, we'll get that out of it, but I doubt that that's going to be a part of it. I think I wish it was. I think it's going to have, I, w- I wish it was too. It'd be great. But it seems to me that this is going to have to be very baseball-centric because even in New York, Derek Jeter did a magnificent job of maintaining a level of privacy. It's actually remarkable how he was able to do that, especially in an era where celebrity gossip is a big deal mm-hmm. and the paparazzi was insane. We, I, th- I think you might have watched it, or at least I-, I talked to you about it, the documentary on Britney Spears mm-hmm. about how the paparazzi yeah, hounded that. her. It's kind of amazing to think that Derek Jeter was in the same era dating other celebrities yep. in New York City and was able to be as private as he is and was. Yeah, pretty smart, pretty savvy to be able to pull that off, Absolutely. especially with page six. You know, there, There's paparazzi and then there's page six. Correct. And that's a different animal altogether. And he was able to avoid that. And I think he might avoid it again because here's, again, according to ESPN Press Room, what the doc series is going to be about. As Jeter forged a Hall of Fame career, he established himself as the model Yankee both on and off the field with his style, class, and charisma. Jeter's commitment to winning came with a rare combination of competitiveness and cool traits he's taken with him into retirement as he tackles new tests as a team owner and executive with the Marlins and a father. As he prepares to enter Cooperstown this July, he's pulling back the curtain to reveal what it was really like to be the captain. So this is a Derek Jeter production, basically. This is, yes. I would imagine it is going to take on the shape of the last dance Mm -hmm. where he's participating, but that means he also has final say on what tone he wants this to take. So I can't imagine the double gift basket situation is going to be discussed. No, I can't either, which is a shame. That's a whole separate doc, and I want HBO to do that one. HBO does a pretty good job. You know, they got Tiger Woods, the documentary mm-hmm. there. They got one of his former... The first uh, girlfriend. Girlfriends. Yes, thank you. That's the word I was searching for. I was going to say mistresses, but... Oh, they got them too. Yeah. Well... Rachel. Yeah. Rachel, yes. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would like is 
in addition to this, because this is going to be outstanding, I have yeah. no doubt that this is going to be unbelievable. We're going to get a peek into the brain of Derek Jeter from a baseball standpoint. But I am really interested in his personal life during that time as well. And are we going to learn about it? Are we going to learn anything that we don't know about Derek Jeter? That's the question. I think we will, because I think he did a pretty good job of putting up that wall publicly. Don't he, you think? Yeah, he did. But is he going to tell us anything or is there anybody out there or any item to tell us anything that we don't already know? Because he is so notoriously private. But I think if he's doing this doc, he's going to share parts of himself. And I think yeah. it's probably easier for him to share or reflect on things in an honest manner now that he's so separated from that time in his life. I want to see the photo of the Miss Universe that sent his her phone number with the scented photo and... The lipstick from the kiss on the photo? You know what I want? I want him to talk candidly about A-Rod. That would be interesting, too. That would be fun. I doubt that will happen, but it would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, one more thing, Randy. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, we know that he underwent that left knee surgery in December. All systems a go for the September 12th regular season opener against the Vikings. Medical science is unbelievable in the way that they can bring people back from torn ACLs. And the fact that Burrow is going to be able to go so quickly, because it used to be a one-year injury. The fact that Burrow is going to be able to go so quickly is amazing, but good for the Bengals and good for football. I wonder if Joe Burrow makes it to a sixth year in Cincinnati, or does he find his way out of there? I'm, I'm intrigued to see if that organization gets good enough so that he'll want to stick around, even though it's his home. Well, I think, it, do you think it kind of depends on what happens with Rodgers? Yes, because I was reading a story this morning. The, the good guys that want to get moved still haven't been moved. Wentz got moved, nah, not, no big deal. But Watson, Rodgers, Wilson, they say they want to get moved, but nobody's been traded yet. That's right. So you, you had Matthew Stafford, and that was a mutual agreement. Mm-hmm. You had Goff, and they wanted him out of there. And you had Wentz. Nobody that anybody really, I, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, but I will. Nobody that anybody <laughs> really cares about has been traded. And none of those quarterbacks were thriving in that current position. Right, exactly. So. Good stuff, Michelle. Thank you. You got it. Coming up, we're going to talk to our friend Adam Wainwright. Wednesdays with Wayno coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. For Wednesdays with Wayno with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Adam Wainwright, Cardinal right-hander, standing by as he joins us on Wednesday, like he does every Wednesday. Good morning, Adam. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Everything's good. The PGA starts tomorrow. Michelle and I did a PGA draft. We're having a little contest. In the clubhouse, do you guys do golf, tur- like especially for the majors? Do you have a, a, a fantasy draft or anything for golf? Oh yeah, we do the. We, it's not a fantasy draft, but we do. Uh, we'll do a little, especially for the majors. Not usually on the maybe on a TPC, but usually for the majors, we have a little pool going. We pick pick a few golfers. We got to pick. You know, you have tiers where the top five, top six in the world are in the first tier, and then you you can pick one of those guys, and then the second tier is like the middle forty, and then the last tier is like the last you know fifty or sixty golfers, and so you pick one from each one, and then. Uh, you know, we it's all for friendly 
you know, there's no gambling involved or oh, anything no, like bragging that. No, no. <laughs> Just all bragging rights. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we get that going. It's, it's a good thing to take our mind off, off of, uh, off our job for a few minutes and brings the clubhouse together a little bit. So, yeah, it's a good thing. Adam, who's the best golfer on the team? Uh, Mike Maddox. As far as, as far as the players go, I'm, I've probably got to take that that right. But Mike's uh, Mad Dog's tough man. He's uh, he's a he's a scratch golfer and um, just doesn't make any mistakes. You know, he just has a really smooth swing, hits the ball down the middle, hits it on the green. It used to be Jose Akindo, but we don't get to have Jose around us anymore as much as we want to. But uh, Jose, I saw Jose shoot 66 one time. That, Wow. Coaches, man, they as much as they work, they do get out to have some, some free time, and they get to play a lot of golf, so they're good. Hey, Adam, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Casey McGee, a former competitor of yours in Major League Baseball, was on one of the shows here on 101 ESPN, and he, he had a great Adam Wainwright story, and uh, we want you to listen to what Casey McGee had to say, and then we want you to respond to it. So here is Casey McGee's Adam Wainwright story. So I met Waino about five years ago, and uh, – we ended up talking and realized that we actually kind of got along as best we could. And, um, so somehow or another, we'd talk, you know, maybe once or twice a year, I was playing in Japan and then I'd, I'd been done. So last year during the, I think it was while they were stuck in Milwaukee at the hotel. And if I'm not mistaken, he wasn't throwing the ball real well. And there's the story out there that he went back and watched a bunch of video of himself in the past to get back to what he was doing well it must have been during that time it's two o'clock in the morning i get a text and it's wainwright all no words nothing he sends me a video of a three-two curveball he throws me and i remember it like it was yesterday i pinch hit day game in milwaukee the shadows are terrible he throws me a curveball i swing and miss by 10 feet i was having a bad year snap my snap my bat over my leg throw the bat down so that's the video he sends me. No text, nothing. So I see this at 2 o'clock in the morning. I get up, and I've and I just got done coaching my daughter's softball team. Get up, walk to the bathroom. One of my dogs had used the bathroom on the rug in the living room. Barefoot, I step in it. Okay? So you can imagine the level of anger that I'm, I'm dealing with at this point. Go get something to drink. Come back to bed. Wake up in the morning, I show my wife, and I sent so, and I sent something back to Adam, like, dude, hey, real good, picking on the dude that's, you know, that's retired, you know, making me feel real good, coaching softball, stepping, stepping in dog poop in the middle of the night. My wife goes, well, just send him, send him a video of you going deep on him. And I looked at her, I was like, you, you and I both know it doesn't exist. There isn't one out there. So he left, he let it sit for like six months, didn't respond or anything, and like six months later, he sends back something to the effect of like, hey, man, thanks for the confidence builder. Crickets. Hadn't heard from him in another six months. He knows he got to me now, so he just – I'll send him something, and he'll, it'll, he'll be like two months later he'll respond, and you just take another dig. So I'm, I'm looking for him. <laughs> so, Wayno, he's – Casey McGee's looking for you. Yeah, that's good. I'll look for him today on my highlight films, too, and, and uh, I'll, I'll make sure I send him another one. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. 
<laughs> yeah, every now and then you gotta you gotta dig back to the archives, you know, get a little feel good going, and and uh, you know he's on there a couple of times, so I'll make sure I send him the other one. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, we know I wanted to get your reaction to John Gant's effort last night. Five and a third, he earns the win. He was throwing strikes. What did you see out of Gant last night? Well, just what you just said, throwing strikes, attacking the strike zone. You know, John's uh, John's got great numbers. He just, I told, we talked about it the other day, you know, if he'd never walked anybody, hardly anybody would ever score. So he knows that, and he's been trying to really mentally get into a place where he could attack a little bit better. It's not, he's not trying to walk people. He's trying to get them out, but he's just barely been missing all year. Last, last night he attacked the zone really well. I'll tell you one thing, might have been one of the keys of the game, because we ended up winning by three runs um, with the great Alex Reyes on the mound to end it. But he had first and second no outs and a line drive right back at his face, knocks it down. Most people, you know, he finishes really square. He's very athletic, great fielder as a pitcher. He knocked that ball down. Most of the time that goes right up the middle. Now you got bases loaded. Probably doesn't score, but he's probably got bases loaded and nobody out. Instead, he knocks that ball down and has the wherewithal to get the out at third base, which was a tremendous play because if you don't know, when, in, the, in the heat of the moment, when a ball's hit back to you like that and, and your, your mind's going a million different directions, you're going, get the out of first, get the out of second, get the out of You know, you could, you could grab that ball real quick with your palm and throw it away, and then you got, you know, second, third, it runs across, and disasters happen, no out. So that was a tremendous play. It was a, it was a heady play. It kept his, his mind in the game, kept his, his body controlled and slowed the game down really well. That was a great play. And it probably saved the game. Hey, Wayno, you mentioned Alex Reyes, and I wanted to ask about him because you two have similar paths. You didn't have the injuries, but starter to closer, and hopefully for him, he wants to get back to starter. But how impressive is it that a guy who's never closed before is doing it on a regular basis and doing it with such success? Well, it's impressive, but it's not surprising. I mean, if you, you know, if, if you guys had had a, a chance to see what we had seen and see how dominant and how incredible his stuff is over the years, you know, you wouldn't be surprised at all. Maybe y'all aren't, y'all aren't, you know, but he's, he's my first pick every year in anything we do in like fielding drills, bunting competitions, whatever. I always get first pick cause I'm the old guy <laughs> and I pick him every single time. He's a, he's a, he's another, he's a great athlete. He has great hand eye coordination. He's uh a great thrower of the baseball when he gets it in the field. He's a great bunner. He does everything well. That's why I keep telling people he, he's, you know, he has a chance to be obviously a lockdown closer like he already is, but he has a chance to be a number one starter, and those are not growing on trees. That is a big, big, big deal. And so people are going, yeah, we love him. We need him in the back end of the bullpen. Well, wouldn't you love to have a couple of number one starters at the top of your rotation? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a commodity that, Almost nobody has in the big league game, and so he—he's a special talent. He's—he's uh, he's a guy who could do whatever he wanted to on the mound and do it really well. And you mentioned your other number one starter going tonight, Jack Flaherty, seven and zero, looking for eight and zero. And Michelle and I were talking about this earlier. Is, is this kind of win day? We look at it as fans and say, okay, Jack's on the mound. This is win day for the Cardinals. How do you look at it as a player? Yeah, I think everybody feels that way. You know, we're just confident when. When he's on the mound, that he's going to give us a great effort. He's going to carry us deep into the game and and uh, hopefully get a knock too while he's at it. He's been hitting the ball great, getting the bunts down. Um, 
but Jack's a tremendous competitor. He's a great, he has great stuff, obviously, but his mental game has really turned a corner. You know, it's, it's not easy being, being an ace. Uh, and when I say ace, I mean like a, you know, a top 10 in the game type pitcher, not just the, the ace on the team. You know, he's a, he has a chance to be a top 10 in the game pitcher every year for a long, long time. And now we're starting to see that come out just like we did in 2019. Adam, Albert Pujols wearing Dodger blue. Randy and I are having a hard time getting acclimated to it. What's your reaction when you see that picture? I haven't seen the picture. I haven't seen him in the game yet. I, I've just seen a picture of him in the uniform. He looks weird in blue, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, but he's he's timeless, right? He, No matter how many times I see him in Dodger blue, I'm, I'm going to remember him as Cardinal Red. You know, I mean, just... There's nothing they can take away from his time here. I'm sure Angel fans probably think the same thing, but certainly as a Cardinal, I I hope and I think he'll go in as a Cardinal. Um, he just did so many incredible things as a Cardinal, and and uh, you know a little part part of all of us I think in St. Louis wanted to see him come back to St. Louis and retire a Cardinal. But who knows? He might play next year, and if the DH is in play, who knows? There might be a reunion. You never know. So. Um, I'm glad to see him continue playing and go out like he wants to go out for sure. Adam, you're you're so right. When there are Cardinal greats that we know are going to be red jacket guys, it's hard for us to see them in any other uniform other than with the birds on the bat. Albert Pujols is in that category. I put you in that category. And it's hard to believe that heading into this season, we were having conversations on the air about you not being a part of this team. Because when I look at this team, I can't imagine you not being a Cardinal this year. How close were you to either maybe playing for another team or not playing at all? Uh, not not close to not playing at all, but pretty close to going to another team. I was starting to get uh, some really good offers from teams late. You know, there was a, like the first couple of guys that got off the board, you know, just narrowed it down to the teams that I was going to be able to go to or, or going to have a chance to sign with if the Cardinals didn't want me. And and it was a, it was a, a competitive market, you know I mean? I was – I was feeling the love, honestly. There was a couple of teams throwing some some good numbers out there. Better, you know, I got a couple offers that were a little bigger than the Cardinals offer, and and decided this is where I needed and wanted to be. But, um, I, you know, at first, at first, I thought I was going to have a chance to sign with somebody right away, and then for about a month or two, I was like, okay, well, maybe nobody does want me, you know, and then maybe I'll be. Maybe I will retire. You know, you just don't. There's so many thoughts that go through your mind when you're on the free agent market, and and lots of things that have to play out different ways. And, and teams have to sign the guy that they that they need and want that fits their their team and their needs exactly. And and uh, when that came down to the end of the off season, there was a lot of teams calling. It was it was a it was a good feeling knowing that you know the old man still got it enough where teams want him. So, well, what was the tipping point to make you come back to St. Louis? Uh, this, this, this youngster that we signed named Nolan Arenado, um, <laughs> this guy is a, a special, special talent, a complete game changing talent, a organizational changing talent, you know, a world series championship title contending, changing talent. So, uh, there was a, there was a lot of excitement going into that. I, I realized what that was going to do to our lineup. Um, and also the Cardinals, you know, quite frankly, up their offer a little bit. So. Um, there was a, there was a, 
there was some different things in play, but certainly when Nolan signed, it, it made me very, very, very excited. I think Yachty would tell you the same thing. Hey, Wayno, you would have had to uh, redo a cap. You have, would, it, Whether it would have been San Diego or whatever, you would have had to do a, a cap. You do a better job of anybody at forming your baseball cap. What is your secret? Your, your cap looks great on your head, and I want to be able to do it. There is a secret to it. I'm glad that you asked. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is an, this is an old school trick that... Uh, that some of the older guys taught me way, way back. And you never see anybody doing it now because they wear the straight bills. They like it right out of the box, you know, flat, and sticking up on their head real high. And I just don't like that. But you got to soak it completely, wet it completely, and you cover it in a towel. And I mean wet it, like, real good. Mm-hmm. You put it in a – wrap it in a towel, and you put it in the microwave for 45 seconds. Mm. And then as you, when you get it out, as it's still hot, you – you know, it it's hot on the head a little bit, but you you gotta you push the top down, you you shape the bill exactly like you want it, and then as it dries and cools off, it forms into the shape that you want. Perfect. See, I I, I never had any idea that that was the way to do it. The, the microwave is such a versatile machine, but now I know. And next time I buy a cap, I'm going to form it that way because Adam Wainwright suggested that's the way to do it. Hey, great things happening with big league impact, and it was fun to watch the game the other night on. Fox with Ken Rosenthal wearing the Big League Impact bow tie. And I'm looking at it right now at BigLeagueImpact.org. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, and my wife designed it. Um, you know, there's there's uh, a couple of really neat things about it. It just looks like kind of a, a blue tie, but the story told with the design of it is pretty neat. So the, the brick in the basket design represents the foundation of Big League Impact's mission. So that's we're going to help people with basic essential needs, food, water, food, clean water, and shelter. Um, and uh, there's some, some basket weaving representing what they carry their food in. There is the color represents water, obviously. And then uh, the brick and mortar on there represents the shelter that we, we also build in lots of different places. So that's 100% handmade silk. Um, these guys at the, the Bowtie Calls do a great job supporting lots and lots and lots of uh, different charities. And Ken does a great job helping promote those things as well. But they're for sale on our website as, long, as well as hats and shirts uh, and other cool things on bigleagueimpact.org. So you can, if you're a Bowtie wearer and you want to support our great cause that we're going out and, and uh, helping feed people, help give clean uh, sustainable water, helping build some shelter, help provide medicine around the globe. If you want to do all those things and also helping here in St. Louis, go to bigleagueimpact.org and get you a bow tie. Or, or if you if you like the trucker hats, get a hat, get a shirt, get them for your family. We 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 take any and all reasons to go in there and, and help us fund our mission. So we appreciate the support. And Adam, I love the thought process now as I'm looking at the tie and understanding the thought that went into it. It makes it even more special. So congratulations on that bigleagueimpact.org and just click on the shop tab and you'll be able to pick up your own. Adam, have fun tonight. Let's get a W and we will talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
That's our friend, the great Adam Wainwright, joining us on 101 ESPN. And Chick-fil-A is a proud sponsor of Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. Don't forget that today on Wednesday, you should stop by your local Chick-fil-A and enjoy an ice-cold Sunjoy. Chick-fil-A is donating a portion of the proceeds of Sunjoy Wednesdays to support Big League Impact through the baseball regular season. No crossover with Danny Mac today because we wanted to visit with Adam, and we are glad that we got that in. And thanks to Danny for helping us out. Great job by our producer. Producer engineer Emily Butcher. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And Michelle, you're headed out to Scott Air Force Base. I am. We are going to get in the spirit before game two, Blues and Avs. Let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. Very much. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great hump day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise.